0: Hi, everyone. This is Bloomberg Studio 1.0.
1: I'm Candy Chang, executive producer.
0: And I'm Kevin Hines, producer and editor.
1: Today, we take the wheel on the Studio 1.0 podcast, filling in for our host, Emily Chang.
0: As producers of the show, it's really interesting to have a front row seat as Emily interviews the biggest influencers in technology and media. And this episode is no exception.
1: For this one, we went to Alphabet's secretive X Lab for a behind-the-scenes tour and to record an interview between Emily Chang and X's Cap of moonshots. That's Astor Teller.
0: I love that he rolled in on rollerblades. Yeah, so fun. We talked about self-driving cars, delivery drones, internet beaming balloons.
1: As well as Alphabet's leadership and Google's cultural crisis.
0: Here's Bloomberg's Emily Chang with the story.
2: He's one of the closest confidants of Google co-founders Larry Page and Sergey Brin, the leader of Alphabet's secretive X-Lab. Born Eric Teller, he picked up the nickname Astro in childhood, with no idea that he would someday be working on making so-called moonshots a reality. Raised by parents he calls hyper-intellectual hippies, one of his grandfathers won a Nobel prize in economics. The other, some say, should have won one in physics for his work on the hydrogen bomb. Perhaps it is only fitting, then, that Astro Teller is now working on ideas that could well change the world or, more likely, fail miserably. But he says that's all part of the magic. Joining me today on Bloomberg Studio 1.0, Astro Teller, head of Alphabet's X Lab, where we are, and... Captain of Moonshots, which is your official title, as I understand it.
3: It is. I function as the CEO, (laughs) but I go by Captain of Moonshots.
2: All right. You rolled in on wheels. This is your standard mode of transportation? It is. Like, how much time do you think you shave off getting between You
3: know, I've actually worked that out. It's about (laughs) eight minutes a day.
2: Okay. Wow. That's, those are... It's a big building. You're making the most of those eight minutes. So we're in the X Lab, formerly Google X. We're just a couple miles south of of Alphabet headquarters, and this is where the magic happens. Or sometimes doesn't happen, as you're quick to point (laughs) out. That's right. Because you have far more failures than you do successes. What's the mission of X?
3: X was created to be the part of Alphabet that would make, hopefully, some new Googles for Alphabet to have, Mm -hmm. things like Waymo, the self-driving car business verily the life science business loon the stratospheric balloon business wing the self-flying vehicles for package delivery uh, google brain which came from here even though it went back to google these are attempts on our part to make something that hopefully in the long run could be as valuable as Google and as good for the world as Google.
2: Google's core business, online ads, search ads, is slowing down. Is there more pressure on X to deliver a hit, a moonshot that works?
3: That's not my experience. Uh, you know, My experience is that I sit regularly with Larry and Sergey and Ruth, and the, the spirit of the conversation is essentially You give me, X, a lot of money every year, and you have to wait a long time, on the order of like seven, eight, nine years. A lot of the money that you've given during that time just falls away, not because I'm purposefully wasting it, but because we're running experiments, and the answer to a lot of experiments is no. You have to decide if the value of that set of things is worth the money you've given us and the time value of money. That's the real conversation that, that we should be having and that we are having. If that has a good return on investment for Alphabet, and if that's good for the world, we should keep doing it.
2: Well, since you mentioned Ruth Porat, the CFO, there is this perception that she was brought in to sort of tighten the belt and trim the fat, mm-hmm. and that X and some of these experimental projects that Google has spent time on would be the first up on the chopping block. Has that been the case?
3: no that hasn't been my experience at all i mean some company wants to come and buy google brain and verily and waymo and loon and wing and chronicle and all the other things that we've produced Mm
0: -hmm.
3: just imagine what they would have to pay Alphabet to buy that and just haul it away with Mm -hmm. them all of that stuff it would be a very large amount of money i know what we've spent I don't know what number you just picked in your mind, but I guarantee you what we've spent is a tiny fraction of the number Mm -hmm. you just imagined. Mm -hmm. This is worth enough more than what we've spent that it's a good return on investment. Now, it requires long-term thinking, Mm -hmm. but Larry and Sergey and Ruth exercise long-term thinking very naturally. You're
2: saying there's no change in the long-term thinking, in their level of long-term thinking, in their prioritization of these moonshot projects.
3: No, I mean, Larry and Sergey are very serious about trying to get to a great future as fast as possible for all of us, and I think Ruth sees her job as helping them to cause that to happen in the the best way possible.
2: As legend has it, and Bloomberg reporting, you had a very early conversation with Larry Page about what X ultimately became. Tell me about that conversation.
3: I was sitting down with Larry, and it was very the first couple of months felt very um tactics driven we were trying to find concrete things we wanted to spend time on the self-driving car google glass um, the early contact lens work that we did a few other things like that and i wanted to have a conversation like what's the bigger picture here and I felt like I wasn't getting a lot of traction with Larry or Sergey or Sebastian about this conversation. So I sat down with Larry and I said, look, I'm just going to name some things to see what we're doing. Are we? Is this just another business unit for Google? And he said, no. OK, are we an, like a research center? No. And I mean, I agreed. I was glad that he, because <laughs> my conception of what we were doing was also that we this is not what we were doing. And I tried throwing out various things to him, and when I said, are we taking moonshots? He said, yes, that's what we're doing.
2: So what is a moonshot?
3: The way we define a moonshot at X, it has three basic elements. There has to be a huge problem in the world that you can name, and you want to fix that problem. If you don't have a problem to solve, then we're just wasting our time, or you're just doing tech for tech's sake. That's not interesting to us. If you can name that, Then, what's the radical proposed solution, the science fiction sounding product or service, however unlikely it is we could make it, that if we made it, would solve that huge problem in the world? Then, is it totally crazy, or is it only mostly crazy? What's that reason to believe that maybe we could do it? Some way we could get started, some early tests we could run, and then if it turns out it's just impossible, fine, then we'll move on to something else. And if those early tests happen to work out, then we'll keep going. Those three things are what, for us now, define a moonshot.
0: You're listening to Bloomberg Studio 1.0. This is Emily Chang's conversation with the captain of moonshots at Alphabet's X, Astro Teller.
1: Coming up, how Alphabet's X is working on diversity and inclusiveness in the middle of a cultural crisis.
0: And we ask if Larry Page and Sergey Brin are still the right people to be leading the company. Stay with us.
2: Let's talk about the way you've built the team, because it has been very deliberate. Um, You wrote, I believe in an op-ed to the Wall Street Journal, uh, you said the single biggest fixable problem for humanity is how undervalued women on this planet are. If we actually had women as full participants, a lot of things, including climate change, would probably get better faster. What do you mean by that?
3: Number one, working on sort of diversity and inclusive innovation is just the right thing to do.
2: Is it the smart thing to do too?
3: I wish that it being the right thing to do was all it took to cause change, Mm -hmm. but it's not. I just want to flag, it's the right thing to Mm -hmm. do. And that's part of what makes me feel good about doing it. Mm -hmm. But number two, it's good business. Mm -hmm. We're not an engineering organization that's trying to bolt on some creativity. So it's, it's good business to bring in lots of diverse people women in particular Mm -hmm. it's half of the world's people how like if we're gonna just be like oh well maybe we'll get to them later for half of the world's people how are we not necessarily gonna have a worse workforce Mm -hmm. if we're just giving up on half even sort of giving up on half of the people in the world
2: now to be fair google's record on women and underrepresented minorities and if you look at the numbers Mm -hmm. is simply average which average is not great for for you know, where we are in this day and age, are you punching above Google's numbers? Are you doing better or are you doing things differently than Alphabet itself?
3: I mean, I don't wanna have a fight between (laughs) us and Google, but I think that if you ask the people here, they would say, number one, culturally, this is a very positive place for women and for sort of EID folk.
2: How, how, How did you create that culture?
3: I actually think that if we just have more people who are just weird relative to each other and then we encourage them to be themselves and to speak up and say what they're thinking we'll be better off and so that has translated into some things that don't feel like work to me but half of my leadership team is women and that's not because i set out to make half of my leadership team women Like, that shouldn't even be exceptional. Half of the world is women. Half of the United States (laughs) is women. Like, it shouldn't be weird to say that. We still have a long way to go. I'm not suggesting that we're done. But I think that what X is doing somewhat more right, maybe, than than Silicon Valley or uh, as a whole is we're serious. We actually want these things and we spend our energy on them.
2: You are part of Alphabet, and Google has been in the middle of a sort of a cultural crisis. You had 20,000 employees walking out of the company because of how the company has been handling sexual misconduct over the years. Does that concern you, the sort of employee unrest that Google and Alphabet are feeling right now?
3: I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at that from the outside, don't you see like this feeling like maybe we're going to be okay as a species if A, Those people in that company care enough to say what they think Mm -hmm. and to try to create some pressure on the company to be the kind of company they'd be proud of. I'm not saying every walkout person was exactly right, Mm -hmm. but it's certainly their right to be unhappy. Mm -hmm. And they're probably at least partially right about the things they're complaining about. In that particular case, I think they were largely right. That's good. And that's actually how we should fix society. Having employees say, wait, this is my company too, I'm a part of this, and we collectively are saying, this is the kind of company we wanna be. That's incredibly healthy and positive.
2: Now, when you look, and you've been here a long Mm. time, are there things that Google did wrong along the way? Like, do you think mistakes were made?
3: Yes, certainly mistakes were made. Probably one of the main things is short-term thinking that like, oh God, we need somebody by yesterday to fill this seat. Because, let's be honest, it takes more work for us to make sure we have a diverse pipeline before we make our hiring decisions than if we didn't. It just takes more work.
2: Do you think that Google and the founders overprioritize the brilliance of specific people and specific men? Like you know, when you think about like Andy Rubin or Amit mm-hmm. Singhal or Rich Duvall, who was an ex-executive mm-hmm. who have all left because of sexual misconduct.
3: This one's like most of these things, is pretty complicated. Mm -hmm. There are thousands of exceptional people at Alphabet. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be fair to recognize it's not like those were the only people who were being set up as exceptional. Mm -hmm. Now, was our hygiene in recognizing these people and then helping them out of the building at the right pace, as good as it could have been? I don't think so. So
2: like Rich Duvall, do you think... This is, and we're not going to get into the sort of details, but you know, he's someone who he propositioned an employee that he was interviewing. She didn't get the job. She reported it. You know, there's a lot of in between, but should that have been handled differently?
3: Yes, I wish I had handled it differently. The thing that I most wish I could have created an environment that was different was actually not the details of how we went through the investigation process that I'm sure you can imagine. Mm -hmm. We did that by the book and we did what the investigation said. And so because you don't want the leader to sort of go around the investigations when they happen, I actually feel okay about that part of it. But other things have come out, other elements of people being uncomfortable that I wish generally, this isn't about rich, Mm -hmm. that we could be even better at surfacing what I think of as the sort of gray area issues um, within X faster.
2: From the outside, we don't see a lot of Larry Page. Is he still the right person to be leading Alphabet in the middle of all of this, given all of this?
3: Larry and Sergey are the two most phenomenally creative people I've ever met in my life. And they set a standard and support that standard percolating throughout the organization. It's why Alphabet is the way it is. And that's not an argument that either Larry or S- Sergey are perfect human beings, mm-hmm. but I think pretty clearly Alphabet would be worse off if we didn't have the support at the top from Larry and from Sergey. So you would mm-hmm.
2: say the same applies to Larry as to Sergey, even though Sergey has also had some of his own issues, which we don't need to get into. But you know, in this day and age, some executives are being held to a higher standard.
3: I have low confidence, very low confidence to be honest, that if we swapped Larry and Sergey out for one or two other people, that we would be better off even on the sort of human elements Mm -hmm. that we say that we care so much about.
1: This is Bloomberg Studio 1.0. You're listening to Emily Chang's conversation with Astro Teller, captain of moonshots at Alphabet's X.
0: Up next, Waymo, Wing, Loon, Glass, and the stories behind these moonshots. Some that took off and others that didn't quite make it to the moon.
1: And how Teller envisions more X-Labs around the world, but still needs to keep focus on the moonshot factory he built right here in Silicon Valley. Stay with us.
2: One of the first moonshots. I actually still have them. So I pulled them out. Awesome. These are my Google Glass. What do you think?
3: Those those are are actually pretty fashionable. Those are are good frames on you. I like that.
2: (laughs) These were one of the first moonshots. Yeah. And they didn't work out in the initial iteration. And they became sort of a punchline, essentially. Do you think of Glass as a failure?
3: It was certainly an experiment. There were aspects of it that were absolutely a failure. I want to be fair to Glass, having learned a lot of lessons, some of them maybe more painfully than we needed to, Mm -hmm. Glass is still very much an ongoing business and quite successful. It's just not much in the public eye.
2: That's right, so Glass is back, or Glass never Glass never
3: left. Glass, it turns out, the right place for this for right now in society are the parts of society that are less fashion conscious and that have real practical needs. So these are doctors and nurses, people who work in manufacturing environments, who work on oil rigs, who are maintaining airplanes. The irony is this is one of the technologies from silicon valley that the digerati said no thank you to mm-hmm. but actually the heartland of america is super happy to have because of the productivity enhancements that it gets do
2: you think so, glass will ever be back in like this form
3: well i think it will by the glasses, time
2: ar glasses. yes
3: as glasses they will absolutely be
2: when back. i don't know
3: three to six years hmm. It will depend on the technology. It will depend on social readiness. It's when we pretend that it's done when it's not done. Mm -hmm. And so X has worked even harder afterwards, to be clear, with each thing, like Waymo or Loon or Wings, we get out into the world. We're not putting it anywhere that it's not safe but we're not pretending that we're more done than we're done because we don't want to recreate that glass failure mode.
2: So as much as you want things to succeed, you have actually created a sort of culture of failure here or a culture where it is okay to fail in the hopes that you will succeed. Tell me about that.
3: So the secret is I hate failing. (laughs) But I want to win in the long run. I want us to win in the long run. We have to create a culture, if we want you to be honest, if we want you to fearlessly run the right experiments and then be honest about the outcomes, that says we embrace the quality of the experiment, not the outcome.
2: But what are some of the epic failures? Like I'd I'd love to hear how this has worked in practice.
3: So we built a system that could turn seawater into methanol using clean energy. That's real save-the-world kind of stuff, and we got it working. And it turned out that the cheapest we believed we could get it was $15 gallon of gas equivalent. Mm. And this was one of these honesty moments where we said, we want to save the world. We're incredibly proud we built this machine. Mm. But if the cheapest we're going to get this anytime soon is $15 gallon of gas equivalent... That's not gonna save the world. No one's Mm. gonna buy that. Mm. We published the business failure with Fast Company and we published the science learnings that we had in the International Journal of Greenhouse Gas Control and said, here's what we learned. Can anyone build on this?
2: So let's talk about the projects that you're working on that have potential, like real potential
3: one of the ones that i think has a lot of potential the self-driving car business
2: of course well we got to talk about waymo i mean waymo is people would think of as probably the biggest success of x so far
3: i think waymo is in a great position waymo has helped everyone around the world get serious about this particular space waymo has done a great job in making these cars drive safely Mm -hmm. Uh, waymo is already now charging people as a transportation service in arizona So that's going exceptionally well, and and we're really proud of Waymo.
2: And Waymo has spun out of X. It's a unit under Alphabet. You've got Morgan Stanley saying it's worth $175 billion. However, there are skeptics who say, when am I going to see this self-driving car? It's taking too long. Who's right?
3: These things are going to take time. So you can see one of those if you just walk outside our building, if you go to Arizona. So there are now many hundreds of cars on the road.
2: But when does it hit the mainstream?
3: For regulatory reasons, it's going to take a while. And look, the world has already paid for a lot of cars. So as those cars are retired, that's one of the things that will sort of pull self-driving cars into the mainstream.
2: And then, of course, there's Loon.
3: Loon is doing very well. There was actually just recently an emergency in Peru, and we got to jump in and help connect a lot of people who lost internet there, and that's the third time we've done that.
2: These are the internet beaming balloons.
3: Exactly. So, that one is making good progress. Like each of these things, it's a long process, but we have increasing faith that uh, Loon is actually the right way to bring connectivity to several billion people in the world who don't have it today. Where
2: are you focusing current project? Is is it is it energy? Is it healthcare? Is it automation, farming, agriculture?
3: Yes, all of those. <laughs> uh, we have, I think, every single thing you just named. We have at least one exploration in, but there's some that I'm feeling particularly good about right now. So agriculture, as an example, you know. Humanity's ability to produce enough food to feed everyone in the world and to do that in a sustainable way, we're topping out. And it's pretty scary. We now have several things here at X that are looking at food production from several different avenues, and we're excited mm. about the, those things. So I feel really good about that. Um,
2: healthcare. What about healthcare?
3: Sure. Here's an example you know, this is an early thing that we're exploring, but there are spaces in which the innovation went like this because there was a simulator for the thing people are innovating on. If you could go into cell biology, for example, if you could simulate how a cell works, then you could run experiments at thousands, maybe even millions of times the rate that humans can run those experiments in the lab, and that would cause an enormous explosion in the innovation in the life sciences. Hmm. Now, being able to simulate a cell accurately in a computer, who knows if we can do that, but that's an example where we have some interesting progress.
2: We're coming up on the 10-year anniversary of Google Mm X, X, What do the next 10 years look like?
3: I think we're better than almost anywhere else at many of these things, these habits of culture engineering and dealing with failure productively. We're still not great compared to what I think we could be. Mm -hmm. I would like in the next 10 years for it to become natural and seamless, for us to do it here. And I would love to find a way to franchise this, maybe not literally, but to start doing this in other places. My moonshot, is not Waymo or Wing or Chronicle or Loon or Makani. It's the factory. It's making a moonshot factory. The way we're doing it here involves building trust, driving diversity, and having people practice being their whole selves, being weird, being creative, taking chances, being in the flow when they're here. If I could get you and everyone else to believe that you could do more good for the world and make more money and be a happier person all at the same time, that would change the world more than any one of the Moonshots we're taking.
2: Astro Teller, ex's captain of Moonshots, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: Studio 1.0 is produced and edited by Kevin Hines.
0: Our executive producer is Candy Chang. Our managing editor is Danielle Kolbertson.
1: Our host and executive producer is Emily Chang. This, this is Bloomberg. Is Bloomberg.